everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Simply Amazing. Tim Ryder from the Apple. Don't have a whole lot of Mets news to discuss. A lot of speculation, a lot of hoping and wishing that they have a plan in place, but we'll get to all that shortly. I do have to thank my buddy Eric Ames for putting together our new theme music that you just heard. Uh, Eric does all sorts of work like this, uh, including, uh, I guess, music lessons, uh, recording lessons, editing lessons. Check him out on Twitter. It's at the Eric Ames. That's uh, E-R-I-C-A-M-E-S. Uh, they have music out on Spotify. The name of the band is Cute Threat. Uh, very much an indie pop vibe, but pretty cool tunes. Definitely check that out. And again, huge thanks to Eric for the uh, intro and the sign-off music that you'll hear shortly. But uh, yeah, the Mets are... Um, Hurry up and wait. That was the name of a, I think, an article on the Apple last month. But it's it's been more of that. It's been a whole lot of that. Hurry up and wait. Hurry up and wait. Whether it was the front office, uh, the Mets, of course, eventually landed on Billy Epler, which is a good thing, and um, could end up being the right hire. He has experience, all that. Cool. That's uh, one less thing on the uh, <laughs> on the punch list. But you know, there's a lot of work to do, and the Mets um, have watched a. Uh, more than a few potential targets come off the board in in the early uh, going-ons of the offseason. I mean, just on Monday, um, arguably the Mets, well, not arguably, the, definitely the Mets' best reliever last season, uh, left-hander Aaron Loop, signed a two-year, $17 million deal with the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. I'm going to keep on calling that. Uh, the second... Mets pitcher to uh, depart for the West Coast. Of course, the first was Noah Syndergaard, who took a one-year, $21 million contract after throwing two innings in the previous two seasons. Great for Noah. That's amazing. Go get paid. That's very cool. But uh, yeah, Aaron Loop. Um, so the money he got, it works out to $7.5 million a year for two seasons. He has a team option for a third-year at $7.5 million, and a $2 million buyout after the 2023 season. So his guaranteed money, $17 million. Um, you know, for the year that he put together in 2021, 0.95 ERA, he had a whip under one, he had batting average against under two, he had a barrel rate of like 2 point something percent. Just a, an incredible season. And even going back to 2020 when he was with Tampa Bay, I mean, he's got an ERA of like 1.4 something over that span. Um, his his righty lefty splits have been pretty much non-existent. Uh, he really started pounding the bottom half of the zone with his cutter because he you know he puts his sinker in the heart of the plate, just unapologetically right down the middle of the uh, of the middle of the strike zone. The cutter this year, and even towards the latter part of 2020, it's really been generally focused on the. Uh, the bottom third of the zone, if not a little bit out of the zone, but kind of, a, I guess you would say, inside to righties and away to lefties. But in that little corner, if you can picture what I'm talking about. And he's found a lot of success with it. Um, we all know that relief pitchers are volatile. We all know that, you know, <laughs> you never know what you're going to get. The Mets signed, you know, Jerry's familiar to a three-year, $30 million contract, expecting him to be a, you know, a closer level guy. And, and you know, for a lot of the, time that he was playing out that contract, he wasn't really that guy, but it's the nature of the beast. They're relief pitchers. It, you saw it with Trevor May this year. 
Trevor May had a terrific season. His ERA wouldn't say that. And again, back to Aaron Loop, you know, he's had up and down ERAs since 2017, but over that span, he has a 151 ERA plus. So he's 51% better than the average relief pitcher. Back to Trevor May, you know, the year that he had, he put together, you know, multiple stretches, uh, long stretches of, of scoreless streaks or, you know, ERAs of one and change for, you know, 10, 12, 15, 17 appearances in a row. And then, you know, he'd have little hiccups. And of course, that's going to increase his ERA. It's going to make his season look not so good. But, you know, if you look at the metrics, if you look at the, the stretches of success, they were there. Now, of course, the volatility of relievers can go either way, whether it be year to year or whether it just be, you know, a, a funk in mechanics and you snap right back into it and then reel off 10 scrolls appearances in a row, whatever the case may be. But, you know, last offseason, the Mets gave Trevor May two years, $15.5 million. That's $7.75 million per year for two years. As we said, Aaron Loop got $7.5 million. They're two completely different pitchers, but when you look at the results and when you look at what the value that they bring to a relief core, it, it you know it, the 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 increase in pay for Loop is justified, and of course Trevor May his salary is well earned, um, and I'm sure once he finishes up this one he'll do even better. By the way that the the market is trending, but you know for Aaron Loop, I guess for someone in the Mets position where he meant so much to your bullpen last year. And there's no guessing, I guess, even if he had a down year after the the rhythm that he's found over the past two seasons, what, if he has an off year, what is it, a, a, an ERA of two and change, not sub one? Like, that's still an extremely viable and valuable piece to a bullpen. And, you know, for $7.5 million, it, it, it feels like a or seven point five million per, I should say. It feels like a move the Mets should have made. Um, and I know you know there's there's merits on both sides of this. It's a lot of money to pay for a reliever, but is it though? So here, this is the the situation that I'm looking at. So uh, Mike Puma from the Post reported on Monday night that the Mets had interest or have eyes for. I quote that um, Taylor Rogers, left-hander in Minnesota. Not to be confused with Tyler Rogers, right-hander, the submariner in San Francisco with the upside-down slider. They're twin brothers. Taylor is the left-hander in Minnesota. Uh, missed the latter portion of last season. Was placed on the 60-day IL. I believe that was an arm issue. I wish I had that detail in front of me. I do not. Um, during his active time last year, I think he racked up 40 and a third innings. 59 strikeouts, 8 walks. Mostly a sinker slider guy. I don't have that. I had it in front of me, and I can't find my notes. Either way, very effective relief pitcher. Um, made $6 million on arbitration last year. It's his second to last year on arbitration. Uh, 2022 would be his final year. So let's say he gets his raise. <clears throat> Excuse me. He gets his raise from six, let's say, to seven. 7.5 maybe. Well, now you're paying Taylor Rogers the same thing you were going to pay Aaron Loop if you had been in on him. And theoretically, you gave up something to go get him. Now, if the Mets can somehow try to include a Byron Buxton with Taylor Rogers and 
you know, make a, a deal on those parameters, sure, yeah, you know, that's a, that's a bigger picture thing. You're still paying Taylor Rogers around $7 million when you had the opportunity to pay Aaron Loop, who is very effective against lefties and righties as opposed to being a um, just a lefty guy as he was earlier in his career. You know, do you, do you take the proven stuff? And, and that's not to say Taylor Rogers isn't proven. Um, I know Trevor Mays has a lot, has had a, a lot of nice things to say about his stuff um, on his channel, I believe, uh, in, a, in, in an interview, mentioned the work that he did with Hefner. That might have been on Simply Amazing last year. Uh, either way, um, speaks highly of him. He has a relationship with Hefner that we just noted. Would be a fine pickup. When it comes down to it, if you're spending 7.5 a year for Loop or 7.5 a year for Rogers, you're still paying $7.5 million a year for a reliever or, or around that neighborhood. So, you know, the Mets, hopefully they have a, a plan <laughs> from here. Um, you know, you have to assume they had something, you know, spitballed before Epler was hired. Epler's been here for all of, you know, five days. So, there's going to be a, uh, a transition period. Um, you know, you have to assume that the Mets have some sort of direction because, you know, we saw on Monday the Giants started filling out their rotation, the San Francisco Giants, not the New York football Giants who got absolutely lit up on national television, as they always do, when they go on to the big, big uh, primetime platform. But that's another podcast. <laughs> uh San Francisco re-signed Alex Wood and Anthony DiScalfani. Uh, Alex Wood's numbers were not released, but DiScalfani got three years, $36 million. That's fine. I believe he had a 129 ERA plus last year. Uh, certainly an economically wise deal. Uh, I believe he's a f- local guy, Freehold, New Jersey. So you have to imagine the Mets maybe had some interest, but... The Giants have to fill out their rotation. I believe the only guy they had penciled in going into Monday was Logan Webb. Big fan, by the way. He had a really, really nice season last year, but uh, especially the second half. He was just terrific. They have holes to fill, just like the Mets do in their rotation. <clears throat> Excuse me. I got a little frog in my throat. Um, you know, the Mets... I spoke this week at the Apple about the Mets needing to fill two holes in their rotation, of course, and... Yeah, Obviously, the first choice for most fans right now is Marcus Stroman. We've seen him succeed in that role. But I kind of brought up the idea of, of going after two that uh, two of those level pitchers in Stroman and, and Kevin Gossman, who was in San Francisco last year and had a really, really nice year. Um, Numbers-wise, very comparable to Marcus Stroman, except uh, Gossman struck out like pushing 230 hitters. And Stroman's just not that guy, but... Effectiveness-wise, very comparable. Uh, Gosman, of course, relies on a split-finger fastball that is just disgusting. I think it was something like a 40-something percent whiff rate, um, slugging percentage in the 200s, just ridiculous. You know, Stroman, of course, has an arsenal that's like six pitches deep. He throws variations on each one of them. Just, you know, two different types of pitchers, but the end product, as we were just saying about May and uh, and and Loop, the end product is still effectiveness, and that should be the goal. So if the Mets were able to link up with two front well, top, top flight free agent starting pitchers, and let's just pencil that in as Stroman and Gosman, 
know, theoretically, you have a, if everyone stays healthy, you have a rotation of Jacob DeGrom, Marcus Stroman, Kevin Gosman, Taiwan Walker, and Carlos Carrasco. Um, that's not half bad. <laughs> you know, that's going to play. That's arguably a championship-level rotation. It's going to cost a ton of money, of course, um, if they do want to sign. Uh, let's again, we're going to say hypothetically, Stroman and Gosman. That's you're looking at twenty five million a year for both of them. So that's fifty million towards your rotation alone. You also have to worry about Jacob Degrom in a couple of years and rework that deal. It's 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 a lot of money. And if you know Steve Cohen said it last week that uh, it's it, whatever they need as far as payroll this season and uh, for Epler and Alderson. You know, if that's the case, then then let's let's make a move. Show us what you got, guys. Like, go out and get two frontline starting pitchers. I mean, we heard late Monday from Anthony DiComo at MLB.com that uh, the Mets had an offer in on Steven Metz. And as of 5 o'clock on Tuesday, then nothing's been uh, announced as of yet. I know they were expecting some sort of announcement today. We got nothing. But, um, you know, you have to have – at least some sort of idea that the, that the Mets maybe aren't looking to fill those two vacancies with upper echelon guys. Steven Matz, if he's coming to New York, he's coming here as a number five pitcher. Um, 96 ERA plus through his career. You know, last year was probably a career year for him. Uh, ERA 3.82, I believe. Uh, his walks per nine, home runs per nine, both best since 2016. Uh, ERA plus, best of his career. It was 115. Um, so again, he's your basically average starting pitcher. He's going to give you great outings. He's going to give you bad outings. It's Steven Matz. We're very familiar with what he brings to the table. If I'm the Mets, um, personally, I, I, I'm not re really making that offer. You have all this extra money to spend, and I'm not even counting the money that Cohen said he wants to spend, but you had the $18.4 earmarked for Noah. You're not paying Aaron Loop anymore. Michael Conforto's probably going to sign elsewhere. It's hard to imagine him coming back here now. You know, you, you're, you have to take care of your arbitration guys. Who knows? Some of those guys, these core guys, the Dom Smiths, the Jeff McNeils, the, the J.D. Davises, they might not be here. You know, they might they might end up getting traded. We don't know what direction the Mets are going to go at this point, but as you see viable options on the board, you kind of have to make the move to 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 bring them in before they go off the board. Like Stroman. Marcus Stroman is definitely going to have a ton of teams interested in him. Um, you know, after Scherzer, uh, him and Gosman are probably two of your higher end options out there. John Gray, of course, comes in behind that. And that's kind of where I was looking, as either a, a Stroh or a Gosman and a John Gray. That was, you know, that's kind of the more realistic point of view. But shit, if the Mets are throwing around money, go big. But anyway, you know, if you can get away with adding Steven Matz for a, you know, you probably he's probably going to get the same type of money that Disclafani got. Three years, $36 million. That's a lot of money for a guy. You're going to plug into a fifth spot in your rotation. And even if you go out and sign two more starting pitchers, he's he's competing for a fifth spot in your rotation for $12 million a year. Like, that's – there could be money used more efficiently. Like we were saying, they have all this capital to toss around. Go out and, and use it wisely. 
I mean, they still have to address the roster, which we'll talk about after the break. But as far as the starting rotation goes, you have Jacob DeGrom up top. We, we know how good it can be when he's right. We saw last year how detrimental losing him can be. And this is Major League Baseball. Injuries happen all the time. The Mets had Marcus Strong last year to slide into the ace role, and he did it very, very well. Logically, that should be the Mets' target. You saw what you got in him. You saw what he could provide. There's no guesswork here. He's been this guy for the longest time. He's not a high V. We've gone down this road before. The safest bet out there. You have a guy who's just like him, if not a little bit more appealing because he strikes out more guys than Kevin Gosman. The Mets should be just balls to the wall going for these guys. If you land both of them, great. You have the money to spend now and you have the spots to put them in. Excellent. I don't see Stephen Matz accepting a deal to come back to New York if he has, as reported, eight other offers on the table. I see him going, moving elsewhere. I'm still a little confused why the Mets are even there. But again, you have money to spend. Spend it wisely. Take a very quick break. Hear from our sponsors. And uh, we'll come right back. I want to talk about the positional roster. Maybe some very, very brief trade ideas. And, uh, and yeah, wrap it up. Hang tight. And welcome back. So we've talked about the Mets losing Aaron Loop and kind of have to figure out how you're going to fill that hole. Uh, The starting rotation, of course, has been a pressing matter since the end of the regular season. And now guys are coming off the board. The Mets have to worry about that. And, you know, you have a lockout looming. Most likely. Uh, the CBA expires on December 1st. Lockout would kick in on December 2nd. And, you know, the, the offseason is going to be fractured. You already see teams rushing to get work in before the freeze begins at the, uh, when the lockout begins. Nobody knows how long the lockout's going to last. It, it, you know, if I'm the Mets, if I'm any Major League Baseball team, I want to get whatever I can get knocked out now, knocked out. So that when things are back in full effect, you have minimal holes to fill. And let's say it's February when things get smoothed out and you're rushing through spring training to fill out a roster. And it's just, it, it, it's a madhouse. It's, um, it's not ideal. It, guys are going to be jumping at the first offer they get. You might, you know, you might get steals. You might get great deals out there, but you also might miss out on guys who you should have been in on, who should you should have gotten, who in hindsight might end up to be, better options. But as far as right now, which the Mets have eight days before the CBA expires, you're, you, I think first on the list as far as positional guys is you have to, you have to at least be in on Javier Baez. Uh, you saw the upside out of, of him last season. You saw the more disciplined bat. Um, Andy Martino of SNY mentioned that this, that he could be a, uh, one of the guys who signs before the lockout hits. Epler said last week that he'd be in touch with not just Marcus Stroman, who we spoke about in the first half, but he'd also be in touch with Javi Baez, who's expressed his desire to come back to New York, play with his buddy Francisco Lindor. You know, building a foundation around Lindor and Pete Alonso and, you know, Jacob DeGrom, of course, but uh, even just on the positional side, um, adding Baez to that mix, it, it, it brings the, the whole roster up a tick. It, it really does. You have superstar level talent 
I mean, we saw how important depth was last year, and that's still going to continue to be a very important part because, you know, we saw how bad it can get when everybody starts getting injured. I'm not sure we're going to experience the same level of injuries that we saw in 2021 following the the 60-game season in 2020. That kind of screwed guys up, presumably, you know, outside looking in. But adding, you know, Javi Baez should be a, a, a priority move. Just... The, the chemistry, the electricity, the level of play, even the bat, the downtimes. When he's good, it makes up for it. I think we saw that. We saw he started off slow and just, you know, he, he his numbers were better than Cespedes in 2015 when he came over. That's how good he was. If the Mets actually pulled this off, we'd be talking about Baez as, as the, the, you know, the savior of that team. Didn't work out that way. Doesn't matter. Uh, he, I think, in my opinion, that's a guy, that's a priority guy. But then even after that, you have to fill a hole in third base. Whether that's going to be via trades, to be determined. Epler said last Friday that the team would rather not trade their top prospects, rather see their developments through. I totally get that. You have to wonder how they view a guy like Ronnie Mauricio. Personally, he's my favorite out of the Mets prospects. Uh, Alvarez, of course, you know, appearing to be can't miss at this point. Beatty is coming off a strong season, a very strong Arizona Fall League. I love Ronnie Mauricio. To me, Ronnie Mauricio is that guy. He's always always played at uh, you know multiple years below league average. You finally saw his power come in this year. You know, he's down in the Dominican Winter Leagues and he's slumping now, but he's also playing against guys that are, you know, anywhere from six to ten years older than him. He's playing against adults. He's 20 years old. Uh, I'm very encouraged. I think he is the stud. I think he is the guy that you move around this season to different spots. He's on the 40-man roster, so you're kind of running out of time. But he's blocked at shortstop. Put him at second. Put him at third. Put him in the corner spots. Put him in center field. See if he fits. You know, you made the mistake with Ahmed Rosario, and <laughs> the parallel I see between them is the walks right now because he's not taking walks. It's been his bugaboo. He just he doesn't have patience, but he's turning into the type of guy, just anything in the zone, he's freaking smoking it. So, you know, you have to see how that works out. Rosario is the same type of player, but uh, Mauricio just seems like the uh, uh, step up, I guess you, you could say. <laughs> that being said, though, um, you know, they made the mistake with Rosario not moving him around the diamond. He was clearly not the shortstop anyone thought he was going to be at the major league level. And, you know, by the time he's two or three years into the big leagues, then you try him in center field. It's it's never going to take. And even Cleveland tried doing it this year, and it just didn't work. And, you know, you don't want to see them make the same mistake with a guy whose talent is just so through the roof as Mauricio's is. You know, Putting him at third is probably, you know, futile because you have Beatty, you have Vientos. Uh, you have to imagine Vientos is going to be brought up in trade talks. You could, I, Nobody wants to trade Brett Beatty. But if, you know, if Cleveland or, or Oakland says, you know, give us Beatty and another prospect for Chapman, or Cleveland says give us Beatty and a prospect for Ramirez, you have to consider it's going to be more than that. I'm just throwing shit at the wall, but you have to consider it. No doubt about it. Um, for me, you know, Alvarez is of course untouchable. 
You'd hate to see them part with, with Matthew Allen, who's coming back from Tommy John, JT Ginn, who's finally looking healthy. They got some other, you know, blue chip prospects coming up, but you know, I, I think that the future that Ronnie Mauricio would bring or would would have, will have, in my opinion, it's uh oh, that's risky to send away. Unless you're getting an absolute all star, a perennial all star, not could be an all star level guy. Uh, yeah, you know, that's just my stance. But <clears throat> we were talking about Buxton and, and Rodgers in the first half, and you can kind of go around the horn with those guys, the Chapman Ramirez's. You know, even if the Mets wanted to try and get in on Luis Castillo, who we've talked about a bunch. I know SNY talked about them this week, um, brought him up as a potential trade target, and I agree with it. I think he would be ideal. If you can go out and sign Stroman or Gosman and trade for Castillo, you're essentially in the same spot, man. Um, you know, and, and you're still going to have to worry about your corner outfield spots. I know everyone likes Castellanos, but that's a, a qualifying offer. I think Khalil Lee gets a fair shake. You have to assume that Mauricio is going to be in big league camp again. Give him reps in left field. See what he can do. Uh, again, if he's um, if he's showing that power potential against Dominican Winter Leagues and in – Brooklyn and in double A, you know, he only played a little bit in double A, but he raked. If I think uh, there's, there's a lot to consider. I'd of course like to see him and Beatty, um, you know, sit in the minors season, get better. Don't rush them along if you don't have to. But if the Mets are going to paint themselves into a corner and, or, you know, just miss the market, miss the wave, they're going to have to do a little work. And, and, you know, I guess it's just the cautious Met fan in me imagining the worst case scenario that shit doesn't pan out. But there's the flip side of that coin that it could work out and they could go on a little spree before the lockout and, and lock up Stroman and Baez and then go out and, and make the other moves that maybe, you know, no one's talking about. Maybe that's the aspect that Epler is going to bring. Who knows? There's uh there's certainly a lot to accomplish. A lot of different avenues to go um it's gonna be a, it's a lockout aside it's gonna be a wild wild winter it's a pivotal it's a pivotal offseason you have cohen's second year as owner first year did not go well and that's on many different levels on the field off the field none of it went well um they were bright spots i mean you signed lindor to this big extension but then you know by may you had him and one of your incumbent core members uh, you know, at, at each, literally at each other's throats. So, you know, it's um, it's culture. It's it's shaking the the ghost of the past. It's it's there. I mean, you. I'm sure players won't admit it, but the vibes of all that pressure. And no, this isn't the Bronx where it's a World Series every year. But this is a uh, a torture fan base, and and. Every year, you know, at least under the Wilpons, every year we were told, oh, this is the year we're making the moves. Oh, we just missed this guy, but we're good. We're getting this guy and it's all going to be great. And, and you know, um, there's a, a certain aspect of that that's, okay, cool. Yeah, you know, uh, you got to believe. Sure. Okay, great. But <clears throat> Cohen took over. You just want things to change. I get the aspect of not going after Syndergaard. That's risky $21 million, man. I want to spend money wisely. I hope he does great. 
But if someone's going to pay him $21 million, good for him. And we get the draft pick, even better. Aaron Loop, you know, uh, I think that one's going to come back to bite him. I get it. But if you're going to go out and trade for Taylor Rodgers and pay him the same money, why not just keep Aaron Loop? Uh, again, they better have a plan because it's going to be um, quite evident very soon if they don't as uh, as potential targets keep coming off the board and the Mets are just sitting there waiting. But that's all I got. Um, again, enjoy our new uh, sign-off music. We will be back next week. I think we'll talk some Hall of Fame stuff. Hopefully we'll have some Mets news to discuss. And uh, yeah, we'll see what we got. You guys know the sign-off. Let's fucking go Mets. We'll see you next time. Peace. Peace.